Welcome to the Post-Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're going to build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world, and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-narc life. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you this very special episode. This is episode nine, The Narcissist Thought Trap. And today, I am here at my desk. You know, I usually record on Monday nights after kids are in bed and everything's really quiet in the house and I can just be in my jammies. I can relax. I can drink my little hot chocolate and I can record an episode for you. I've been thinking about this particular episode for a really long time. It's kind of been swirling around in my mind for a while. And in the last couple of weeks or so, it's come up a lot in my work with my clients. And so getting it out, getting it articulated for you so that you can really start to see this pattern in your life that belongs specifically to us narcissist trained people is really going to help you kickstart your post-narc life and what it is you want to create. And it's going to get this kind of thing out of the way. This is definitely one of those things that slows us down. It keeps us in in action. It keeps us from going after the things that we want. It keeps us in a lot of pain. So let's get started. This one's a doozy, y'all. Get ready. All right. So today we're talking about the narcissist thought trap. And this comes about through the habits of the narc brain. You've heard me talk about the narc brain before. And so today we're going to talk about how the narc brain creates this trap, examples of what it looks like, and most importantly, how to get out of this trap. So like I've said before, the narc brain is what I call your brain after years of surviving narcissist abuse. It's been conditioned through fight or flight and abuse and constant (laughs) emotional and verbal attacks to think and feel certain things, to be in survival mode most of the time. You are conditioned to make certain decisions that are not based on your highest self, but are based on immediate survival and relief. This is what keeps you distracted from doing what you actually want, and it prevents you from creating an amazing post-NARC life. So for more on the NARC brain, you need to check out my three-day training, Breaking Free from Narcissism. It's uh, on my list of trainings that you get access to when you join my email list. You can sign up for that in the show notes. Really listen to that training. It's a really, really good one. It's going to give you such a foundation for all the work that we do here. So this is how your narc brain creates the thought trap for you. And I've seen this come up with a lot of my clients. And of course, I've certainly seen it in myself. And honestly, it's probably something people without narcissists in their lives deal with. But for us, it's going to be a little more intense. And it's usually going to involve a lot higher stakes. And the most important thing to know about narc brain as it pertains to the thought trap is that narc brain is pain relief focused. Now, this is typically not a problem because all of our brains 
are wired to avoid pain. That's the motivational triad. We are motivated to avoid pain, to seek pleasure, and to be as efficient as possible. And we'll talk about efficiency in a little bit. But typically, it's not a problem that we avoid pain. It's a very useful survival mechanism. However, a narc brain not only has that survival mechanism ready to go at all times, it also has a constant state of fight or flight. It's concerned with solving immediate pain all of the time. So it doesn't have time to look at what's best for it in the future. It creates more pain for itself through conditioning to self-punish, and it's conditioned to always blame the circumstance, the person, or the thing outside of it as the source of the problem. All right, so let's take a look at the bare bones process of the narc brain trap. Step one, brain perceives problem circumstance because it's creating a lot of pain for them. Step two, brain tries to solve this problem circumstance, but runs into another source of pain. Step three, the brain uses narcissist tactics to motivate you into continue to trying to solve the problem circumstance. Step four, this fails because now the brain needs to solve the new pain caused by the narcissist tactics. Step five, the brain defaults to pain relief. Step six, the brain interprets this pain relief as contributing to creating the problem circumstance. Step seven, problem circumstance persists and repeats the process, starting at step one all over again. (laughs) So that is the bare bones, very generalized seven-step process by which the narc brain keeps you trapped and keeps you in circumstances you don't want to be in. So let's apply this to some real-world examples so you can see this cycle in action. I have several clients in this particular situation that they are currently married to their narcissist spouse. And listen, being married to a narc is, of course, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to get in the pool for a second here. Being married to a narc is not fun. Okay, you have to deal with a lot of things all at once. And you're dealing with the fact that if especially if you have kids in the situation, you're going to have uh the kids being traumatized a little bit, you're going to feel like you're in a toxic environment, you're going to feel like everyone is walking on eggshells. There's going to be yelling, criticizing, judging. There's going to be cyclical times of good followed by really bad. There's not going to be any hope of change or growth or improvement because the narc is no interest in changing. And listen, of course, anyone in that situation at some point is going to want to tell themselves, all right, we got to go. This is bad. This is not working for us. This circumstance needs to change. But the problem is the brain doesn't like change. It's hard to change circumstances. In this situation, if you decide you're going to leave your narcissist, that means you're going to have to deal with other hard things. You're going to have to deal with going through divorce or custody arrangements, getting a new job, changing schools for your kids, changing homes, dealing with kids' emotions during this very crazy change in their lives. You're going to, your lifestyle is going to change. Your brain doesn't like that. So brain wants to avoid that pain, right? So if your brain is in a constant pain relief mode, it's trying to solve the pain by leaving, but in order to protect itself from the future pain that's coming through leaving, it shuts that down. In fact, in order to 
continue that process of shutting you down from taking that action to leave your narcissist or solve that problem, it's going to come up with more painful reasons why you can't leave. Things like, oh, they're going to forget me, or I, I'm not going to belong to anyone anymore. I'm going to be alone. Um, my community is going to disown me. They're going to judge me. My kids are going to have to go to a different school. They'll be upended again. I'm too dependent. I'm never going to make it on my own. I haven't worked in 20 years, right? So all of these things are going to come at you from your brain. It's trying to protect you from taking unknown action to solve that problem, trying to avoid that pain. And so you stay, you decide not to take any action, but things continue to stay as bad as they are, because of course they do, because you're in a relationship with a narcissist. And so you're still going to want to leave. You're still going to try to solve that problem. So then your brain is going to start using narcissist tactics. In this situation, you might beat yourself up. You might start telling yourself things like, how could I be so dumb to let him treat me that way? I'm damaging my kids. I'm a coward. My kids aren't going to be, they're going to be groomed to marry someone just like him. And it'll be my fault. So in this situation, your brain is using guilt and shame and beating itself up to try to give you more pain, to motivate you with pain so that you solve the other pain. But solving that pain requires you dealing with the future pain of changing the circumstance. So now you have three sources of pain happening in your brain. You've got your problem circumstance of being married to a narc. You've got beating yourself up to try to get you out of that situation. And you've got the pain of dealing with what you got to do in the future. Three types of pain or three sources of pain in your brain that your brain is trying to solve and manage. And it just goes around and around in circles. And it's just easier to not do anything. It's easier to do the status quo because that's what you've been doing for several years. And just like in the motivational triad, we talked about it's wired to avoid pain. The other one is it's wired to be efficient. Sometimes that's even stronger than avoiding pain because this is the pain you know. This is the pain you're comfortable with. This is the pain you've been in for years at a time. And your brain will want to stay with the devil it knows rather than going into the unknown. And that keeps it from overusing its resources. It keeps it in the space of being really efficient. Because if you have to change a lot of things in your life, you're going to have to use a lot of brain power and your brain wants to keep things as efficient as possible. That's a very important survival mechanism. So of course, it's going to want to avoid going into unknown circumstances. But now you have to deal with all of these sources of pain in your brain. And it's very uncomfortable. And a lot of my clients are going to use other things to kind of deal with that. You go around in circles, years go by and you never leave. You might continue to beat yourself up. You might constantly live in guilt and shame, keeping yourself small, believing the lies, letting the narcissist's life take over, never getting what you want. And it also will leave my clients with a lot of unprocessed emotions like frustration, powerlessness, and grief and loss. And they're not going to want to process out those emotions because those are painful, right? Because brain is in this mode of, we need to always avoid pain as much as possible. That's the narc brain conditioning that they're not going to want to process those emotions out. And they're going to end up taking those out secretly, either secretly hating the narcissist or hating themselves or doing some other thing that creates more unwanted circumstances in their life. And that is the trap and it just keeps going. I want to mention one thing that's come to mind as I talked about this. Pain is a, is a big deal for a narcissist. The narcissist is in a lot of constant pain, a lot of deep pain that they're unwilling to look at. 
And part of their dealing with that pain is by inflicting it on others. And they want people to feel pain, especially guilt and shame, because they know that if that person is feeling that emotion, that they have power over that person, or they they can feel more in control of their lives. They feel like that person is more likely to do what it is that they want. And another thing that they do is when someone else feels bad, it's almost like a expiative experience, right? It's, it's, it's like if that, if that narcissist sees that you are in pain for something that, you know, you did that they perceived as hurtful to them, if they can be convinced that you are suffering enough, they can feel like their pain is managed. It's a weird sort of thing. In, in my religious community, we talk about it. It's, it's like they atone, they, they need you to atone for their pain. They need you to feel the pain for them, process it out for them. It's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that's kind of my mind right now, but it's, it's something that they do. And, and especially if you're in a religious community or or you believe in, or specifically if you're Christian, um, and you believe in the atonement or Jesus Christ and, uh, atoning sacrifice, you're going to be really confused if you've been raised by a narcissist or you have narcs in your life because they, cannot accept the possibility that someone else or, you know, Jesus has done that for them. They're going to be really focused on other people feeling the pain for them. And it's all subconscious. They're not realizing they're doing it. Um, but this is, this comes up a lot with my clients and I, it's, I've experienced it myself where if, um, if you can suffer enough, then the narcissist feels satiated. It's, it's a very strange uh, form of emotional abuse. So if you understand that, you know what I'm talking about. But if that sounds kind of weird, I understand that too. <laughs> no big deal. That's just a thought that occurred to me while I was recording this. But yeah, that's that's kind of what's what's going on. There's a lot at play here with all of the emotions and trying to feel powerful. And it's this cycle that feeds itself in this narcissist dynamic, especially when you've been surviving it for so long and your brain buys into this game that we've talked about on previous episodes. So here's another example of this process of trapping your, yourself through the narcissist trap. One thing I see in my clients, I have a lot, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and most of them actually have left the narcissist situation. So I, got, I have about half and half, half of my clients are still currently in the narc situation and half of them actually left and they're trying to create bigger and better things in their life. And entrepreneurship is definitely one of those things that my clients typically do. And they are trying to build this new thing, but old habits tend to creep in. And that's why we do the work. That's why we work together and we we help manage those old habits. But this is what it looks like. So they decide to create a business to solve a problem circumstance. The problem circumstance is lack of control of finances or not enough finances or lack of freedom in your work, things, things like that. We become entrepreneurs because we want to be in control of our money. We want to have unlimited ability to create money and we want to be in control of our lives. We don't want to be held down by a corporation or somebody else's rules or somebody else's decisions about how much money we can make, right? That's really that entrepreneurial spirit. But it's it's stressful to the brain sometimes to think about money and it's not always pleasant to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> Because building a business is not always fun. There's risk, there's failure, there's rejection. There's a sense of the unknown. You don't know where your next dollars are going to come from or when they're going to come. You do your best to put yourself out there. But especially in the very beginning, it doesn't feel 
like it's in your hands to create the amount of revenue that you want to create. And this is very uncomfortable for the brain. And that's normal, right? For anyone to feel uncomfortable with that. But when you add narc brain to that, it's, it's on a whole other level. So in order to avoid that discomfort, the narc brain shuts down from taking action in the business. Now this is keeping them in this uncomfortable place where they're not making the money they want, but they're not willing to take the action to change that circumstance because both are really painful. It's painful to not have the results they want, but it's also painful to put themselves out there to take risk to be rejected, to be in the unknown. And so the brain trying to manage these two sources of pain sort of shuts down, goes into inaction, makes different circumstance or sorry, creates different circumstances that might be unwanted because you're trying to manage your pain relief, trying to bring relief to your, to your, to your brain. But the financial lack is still there. And so then maybe they try again and they're like, this time, I'm just going to pressure myself. I'm going to use narcissist tactics like heavy pressure to get myself to be motivated to do the things it takes to succeed in the business. Uh, And so you start telling yourself things like, oh, if I don't figure this out soon, I'm going to run out of money, right? Creating a lot of fear. Or I am so much in debt. I have so much debt. I have to make money this month or I'm going to fail, right? Or things like, I'm so bad at this. I'm running out of money. I'm not good at marketing, all kinds of terrible thoughts you think to yourself to try to beat yourself up, pressure yourself into taking the action that you know you need to take. And listen, I know from experience, marketing that sells is never created from pressure or beating yourself up. That just isn't reality. And the brain may, again, shut down in response to this pressure rather than taking the action you need to take in order to succeed. So when you're feeling tons and tons of pressure, you're not going to be suddenly full of creative ideas that serve your clients. You're going to feel tight and restricted. You're not going to feel, you're not going to be able to access the higher parts of your brain. You're going to be in fight or flight. So the more you pressure yourself, the less likely it is you're going to be able to do what it takes to, to succeed. And it just goes around and around in circles. You might even beat yourself up telling yourself you suck at this, that nobody wants what you're selling. And then that keeps you from taking action. And then your brain goes to this place of, let's say you are brave enough to take action despite all of these narc tactics. That unknown territory is still very scary for your brain. So it's going to start creating things that aren't true just to keep you from taking action. Thoughts like, my niche is just oversaturated. There's just too many people who do what I do. There's no way I can be competitive or I just don't have the money to invest in ads and other things that my competitors invest in. Or you know what? People change when they make money. They get greedier. You know, money changes them. That's really bad. Or money turns your kids into brats. And I just, you know what? It's not worth it to have more money. I'm just, I'm just happy where I'm at. Right. And around and around we go and you never truly, your business never takes off because of all of this mind drama that's happening and you trapping yourself because of old habits and conditioning that obviously you didn't put there, but is carrying forward into what you're doing now. It's it's crazy, right? So the main point here to learn from these examples is number one, your brain just can't let you be happy. I've seen that with my clients over and over again. Their brain just won't let them be happy. It won't let them make a decision. It keeps them in an action. It keeps them stuck and keeps them trapped. And this is because happy and successful isn't safe to your brain. 
Think about the last time you felt like things were going fine in your life and without warning, the narcissist in your life shuts it down, like really shuts it down, just rains down heavy, all of this kind of emotional abuse, filling you up with guilt and shame and fear and all those horrible negative emotions that are are terrible to experience, especially in a situation where you feel like you should be able to trust this person, right? It's terrible. And if that happens enough times, eventually your brain's going to start believing that it's just not safe to be happy and successful. And if something doesn't come along to ruin it, then the brain's going to invent something that does. It's going to create a reality that's not real in order to convince you that you can't possibly be successful or it's not safe to be happy. So we're just not going to try. And on top of that, in order to get yourself to try to do something, you're going to use these, these narcissist tactics against yourself, the guilt, the shame, the beating yourself up, the pressure, the lies about how hard things are going to be, the lies about how capable you are or not, right? The like, Because this is how they treated you. This is how you were treated. You were guilted. You were shamed. You were emotionally beat up. You were pressured. You were lied to. You were told how terrible and inadequate you are. You were convinced that you're never going to make it. You're never going to be good enough, right? All of this after years and years and years really sticks because you had to survive that situation and your brain can't live with the cognitive dissonance for very long. That's also very uncomfortable for the brain. So it goes with what the least amount of resistance. And that means buying into the narcissist game so that you can feel like you have some semblance of safety. And so it's not your fault that this is happening. It's very much a survival thing that's happening without your conscious awareness. So if you find yourself in this situation, and I've said this many times before, and I'll continue to say it, please have tons of compassion for yourself. Don't blame yourself. Don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up, right? This is your opportunity to really look at the tragedy of your situation, the sadness of your situation, and also the bravery of your situation. Like you survived, you can pat yourself on the back. You can have so much compassion for the decisions that you made, even if they're not serving you right now, you were doing the absolute best thing that you could think of in that moment, right? I like to to teach my clients and myself, (laughs) try to teach that to myself too, that if you were talking with a little child, the little child version of yourself, would you be telling that person, that little child, what you're telling yourself now about the decisions you've made? about the life that you're in. No, of course not. You would not talk to a child that way. So don't talk to yourself that way because the person who made those decisions was your inner child. Because when you're in fight or flight, your inner child takes over. Your your subconscious brain is like a child. It can be very childlike. It can be, it's just very simple. It doesn't really have a verbal capacity. That's your prefrontal cortex. Your, your lower brain, like your amygdala, your, the pawns, right? Your um, all kinds of parts of the brain that I, I'm blanking on right now, but the, the lower parts of the brain don't have verbal abilities, right? They can only exist and understand and interpret data through images and emotions. And that's what uh, the life is like for a little child. And so really have compassion on yourself like you would an innocent little child, because that's really what's going on here. So if you see yourself in the situation, just know you are not alone. There are so many people out there dealing with this very exact thing. And it's my job as your coach and as a person who's been through this and who's helped many, many clients through this situation to teach the reality of the situation and to help you overcome it. 
So that segues beautifully into the last part of this episode, which is how to get out of this trap. So first of all, getting out of this trap, you need to understand where emotional pain comes from. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but it's really important to drive this home. Emotional pain does not come from your circumstances. And listen, I know earlier in this episode, I got in the pool and I said, yes, narcissist relationships can be very painful. It's not fun to deal with them. Okay. But remember that emotional pain doesn't actually come from a person or a thing or a marriage or a bank account, right? It comes from your thoughts. It comes from your interpretation of what's happening in your life. Now, do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that you are making it all up and that your marriage with your narc would be happy if you just changed your thoughts. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm actually saying is let's look at your thoughts and let's try to figure out what's true and what's not true. So I had a client recently tell me that her marriage was like a deep, dark hole. And that feels very true. It's got a a lot of heavy emotion. It's heavily charged with, you know, grief and loss and darkness and emptiness, right? And I validate that that's the experience that she's actually having. Of course, it feels that way. And I 100% get it. But you need to understand that the sentence, my marriage is a deep, dark hole, is a story. It is a statement. You think it's the news. You think it's a fact, but it's actually interpretation. And it might be quote unquote true in the sense that your marriage feels this way. However, your marriage is just your marriage. It's just two people having thoughts and emotions, taking action, talking with each other, not talking with each other, making decisions, not making decisions. That's really what your marriage is. So when you have a thought like that, my marriage is a deep, dark hole. Maybe it's true. Maybe it isn't. But when you really look at it, what is that thought creating for you? It's creating so much emptiness and darkness and grief. And yes, there's emptiness and darkness and grief there for sure. But let's process this out instead of deciding that this marriage for sure is a deep, dark hole. Let's focus on what's true and what's not true. What we know to be true, what the facts are, is that just like I said, There are two people in this marriage making certain decisions, having thoughts, and having emotions. If you can bring it back to this neutral place for just a second, you can get some emotional leverage over the situation. You can release yourself for a second from the heaviness and the and the the darkness and the emptiness, and that will give you the space and the ability to process all of those emotions out. Of course, you're going to feel grief. Of course, it's going to feel heavy and dark. That is the experience of being married to a narcissist, or at least that's the experience of a lot of people. For some people, being married to a narcissist does not feel that way. It has different emotions and feelings attached to it. But that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. It's just everyone is different. They have their own thoughts and emotions. So look at what's true. Look at what's not true. Another client brought to me this thought she had about her current husband, where she said, he is, so my husband is the enemy. That was the thought that she had. Let's really look at that thought. When you think that thought, my my husband is the enemy, what emotion does that create for you? If I think that thought, that creates a lot of anxiety. It creates a sense of fear. It creates a sense of, oh no, like I have to put a ton of walls up. I have to be in self-protection mode. It puts me a little bit in fight or flight if I've identified that the person I'm living with is my enemy. 
And so that may or may not be true. Okay. That might be true. Okay. But let's really look at the facts here. Your husband is a human being who makes choices, who makes decisions, who says words, who does actions. Okay. Now you can decide if you want to tolerate some actions or not tolerate some actions. These are decisions that we make. But if you decide that it's true that your husband is the enemy, all it does is create all of those emotions in your body that don't actually serve to change your circumstances. It just actually disempowers you a little bit more. So instead of thinking of your husband as the enemy, we think of him as he's a human being making certain thoughts and feelings and choices that affect my life in specific ways. And you get really specific how those those actions affect you. And we look at what's true and we look at what's not true. And a lot of times a narc brain is going to be in a very high drama situation. And, you know, sometimes you're going to exaggerate. Now, I'm not saying this person is exaggerating necessarily, but if you're in high drama, there's going to be high drama thoughts. There's going to be a lot of really emotive, you know, high emotion thoughts that aren't going to be a hundred percent based in reality. They might be a little bit based in reality. I acknowledge that but are they truly serving you to get the result that you want? Because thinking that your marriage is a deep, dark hole and thinking that the person you're married to is the enemy never produces you leaving that person. Cause I've seen this over and over again, people will stay 20 years in a marriage thinking that person is the enemy, but never actually taking action to do anything about it. And it's not because that person is inadequate. It's not because that person is terrible. It's because that person is trapped. That person is trapped in their own brain and in their own brain's process of deciding that the circumstance outside of it is the problem, but also being in pain relief mode and avoiding pain mode and not willing to take the action and deal with the discomfort. And that um, we're going to talk about that as the third thing. But the second thing I want to talk about. So the first thing is understanding where emotional pain is from and looking at what's true and not true. That's the first step to getting out of this trap. The second step is to make some decisions. Okay. You're going to decide today that you are done using narcissist tactics against yourself. We've talked about this in another episode, but I want to reiterate it here because this is a habit that so many people in the situation experience, myself included. You know, these are things I continue to work on myself for sure. So let's decide today you're going to be done with narcissist tactics, things like shaming yourself, guilting yourself, beating yourself up no more putting tons of pressure on yourself. If you can identify where you're doing to yourself, what the narcissist did to you, find it, and then decide to be done with it. And of course, this isn't going to be a one and done situation, right? You can't just, I mean, you may, you might be able to do this. I don't know. I want to allow for that possibility for, for, for the vast majority of us. Making a decision is just the first step. You know, you, if you make a decision, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfectly good at that decision from then on. You might be, then that's amazing. And you tell me all your secrets. But if you're like me and that decision is going to take a lot of work to build that ability to continue to make that decision every single day, then give yourself a lot of grace. Give yourself a lot of compassion. Yes, this is a decision you make in one moment, but sticking that to that decision will be a different story for you. And that's where the coaching process comes in. That's where you bring to me your situation, your thoughts, your emotions. We work on it week by week. And as you continue to do the work, all of these things get cleared up. You get better at sticking to these decisions. We eliminate everything that's in the way of you trying to not shame yourself anymore, not guilt yourself anymore. We practice, we get good at it. We fail a lot. And eventually you get amazing at these skills. 
but it, it has to start with your decision. It has to start with you saying, look, I'm just, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to put myself under tons of pressure. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to guilt myself. I'm not going to trap myself anymore. I'm not going to use what the narc did to me to myself. I am done with that. And you, it might take you a while to find all the ways in which you are the narc to yourself. That's not a problem. Just keep working on it one thing at a time. Be committed to the, the infinite timeline of figuring this out. Be committed to, I'm going to figure this out no matter what. And as, I'm going to work on it as long as it takes that attitude, that commitment to this process is absolutely going to guarantee your success. And it makes your success come a lot faster because if you're beating yourself up for beating yourself up, right, that's going to slow you down. But this is actually going to accelerate your work, having that attitude of I'm committed to doing this and I'm willing to fail at it. And I'm willing to look at what I'm not used to looking at. I'm going to, I'm willing to look at what might be a little uncomfortable for me to look at. And that segues into step three, which is you need to start to accept a certain level of discomfort on the way to building what it is that you truly want. This is the currency. Okay. But the problem is with us, with people with narc brain or people who have had narc conditioning, distinguishing this kind of discomfort from other types of discomfort is going to be key because this kind of discomfort, the kind of discomfort you experience on the way to building what you truly want, that's going to serve you. That's the currency for your dreams. But other types of emotional discomfort are not serving you. They are going to get in your way. They are going to slow you down. So we have to learn how to, to discern between these types of things. So the easiest way to do that is to ask yourself a series of questions. So number one, is this a narc tactic causing my discomfort right now? If I'm feeling emotional pain, is it coming from thoughts I'm thinking about myself that are self-derogatory, that are self-punishing, that create a lot of emotional guilt and shame for myself? Is, is that what's happening here? Really ask yourself if the current discomfort you're feeling comes from a narcissist tactic that maybe you've experienced in the past that somebody typically does to you. Really get clear on that because guilt is never going to be the emotion that helps you build your dreams. Never. Not not guilt, not shame, not despair, um, not discouragement. Those emotions are discomfort, are, are uncomfortable and are emotionally painful, but they are never going to be the way in which you succeed. The emotions that are sometimes uncomfortable that are going to help you succeed, right? Are determination, commitment, you might have to feel a little bit of of shame or embarrassment if you get rejected, but you you have to be willing to process that out, um, willing to experience failure, willing to experience other people creating obstacles for you. Those are the types of discomfort that are actually going to help you. Another question you can ask yourself is, am I in fight or flight? Am, is my central nervous system, my autonomic nervous system, is it activated? Am I unable to access my high brain? Am I just operating from a place of survival? Got to just get through to the next moment. Usually that is a great clue that whatever emotional pain you're feeling right now is not the kind that helps move you forward. It's the kind that's caused by old conditioning. So if you can acknowledge or see that you're in fight or flight, you can be with yourself, comfort yourself, love yourself be with yourself as you calm down, maybe do some deep breathing, maybe manage your anxiety. There are so many great techniques to manage your fight or flight response. Um, deep breathing is really good or breath work. 
Uh, you can look that up. That's really good. You can use EFT techniques like tapping. You can think thoughts that create calm. I mean, there's just so many things you can do. And the the best thing you can do though, is to be with yourself and have compassion on yourself and to love yourself, even when you're experiencing high um, emotional discomfort, because that's just, that's just reality of being human. Honestly, we're going to be uncomfortable at least half the time, at least probably more. And it doesn't have to be a problem all the time. A let's see another question that you can ask yourself if you're trying to discern between the kind of discomfort that's going to serve you and the kind that's not um, is were you led to believe that this discomfort you're feeling this circumstance you're in is a lot more painful than it is. So we kind of talked about that a little bit in the the first suggestion about understanding where emotional pain comes from, looking at what's true and what's not true. A lot of times narcissists will lie to you and exaggerate things and try to make you convinced that things are a lot more painful, a lot harder, a lot more damaging than they actually are. And so you can kind of look at that and like, what is, is this true or not? Who taught me that this particular thing is terrible? So for example, in the client who um, tells herself how hard it's going to be if she leaves her husband, is that really true? Is it really true that she's going to be all alone? Is it really true that she can't provide for herself? I, I don't think so. Those are lies that the narcissist told her. And she bought them because she really didn't want to leave, right? So it was, a, it was a convenient way to convince herself not to leave, to to not take that leap of faith, to not put herself out there and risk the unknown, right? And so, of course, you can provide for yourself. You can look at all of your skills. You can obtain new skills. You there there are ways to if you are an adult, if you have at least some form of education or the ability to be educated, you're not dealing with disability or things like that, you have the ability to develop a skill or you you already have skills likely that you can use to create independence, financial independence. But th- there's this lie that says, well, I mean, if you haven't worked in 20 years, no one's going to hire you. That's just not true. There might be some people who won't hire you, but there will be others who will. So you really have to look at, okay, where have I been convinced that this is way harder than it needs to be? Because it building what you want on a good day <laughs> just comes with discomfort. It's, it's so true. Because like, for example, think about how many times you've heard people in your life complain about building their dream house, about how they don't recommend it. And they were just so miserable during the process of building their house, right? I've, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard that over and over again. Like hiring a contractor is terrible. We redid the kitchen. It took us way longer than we expected. It was more expensive than we expected. And living without a kitchen was awful, right? They will tell you how terrible it was, but they're telling you how terrible it was from the living room in their dream house, right? Like they have their dream house now. They have their amazing new kitchen now, and it's awesome. They get to live in that house that they built for themselves. And yes, it was a pain sometimes. It was uncomfortable sometimes to do that work, but now they get to enjoy it and they have an amazing house they've always wanted. And that's what it's like to build your dream life. Sometimes things are going to go off plan. Sometimes you're, you're going to encounter obstacles. Sometimes it's going to take longer than you expected, or you might it might be more expensive or things are going to come up or it's going to be a lot more uncomfortable than you thought it was. Okay. But those aren't problems if you know how to deal with them. If you know how to manage your mind, if you know how to manage your emotions about those obstacles and you can trust your brain to solve actual problems, not other people, you can be successful at building your dream life. It's 
it's truly worth everything you can throw at it to build your amazing dream life, your amazing post-NARC life. So many of my clients have created the life that they want. They are moving to their dream locations. They've created the healthy partners they've always dreamed of. They're growing their families. They are building the businesses, you know, have tripled their income in some cases, truly amazing. These people are creating their dreams, dream lives, and it's possible for you to do that too. And this work is worth it. And if your narc brain is getting in the way, this is how we deal with it. So these are those three suggestions to start getting out of the trap. You need to understand where emotional pain comes from and looking at what's true and not true. Second, you decide today that you are you are done using narcissist tactics against yourself. If you need help with that, that's what I'm here for. I have one-on-one spots open still. Go ahead and book those so that we can work together and get started on this process. And the third suggestion is accepting a certain level of discomfort on the way to building what it is that you truly want while also building the skills of learning how to manage your mind, learning how to manage your emotions, learning how to deal with the obstacles that come along the way, trusting your brain to solve the actual problems without trying to solve the people in your life, right? We're not going to fix the narcissist. We're not going to change the narcissist. We're not going to convince them to be better people and to treat you better. That's just not reality. And even if, because if you're dealing with a real narcissist or someone very far on the narc spectrum, even if things get better for a little while, they will just come back down. That's just the way it is. They, they're they not interested in changing. Not really. They're not interested in looking at their own pain. They're not interested in their own levels of discomfort that's required to build new things. They're they're not interested in that. They're, they don't even want to look at how they've made mistakes or, or done something wrong, right? They never want to do that. So of course, if things even get better for a little while, they will eventually come back down. That's just how it works with an arc. So we're never going to solve them. We're never going to solve that. So allow your brain to let go of solving that and redirect it to what you actually can solve, which is your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. And that combination is going to be the magic formula for creating the life it is that you want. And I want to reiterate, it doesn't mean that we control our thoughts all the time, that we're constantly positive. No, that's not what I mean. It's looking at what's actually true, separating the thoughts from the facts, making decisions from your highest order thinking, making decisions from your future self, all of those things that we do in our work together. That's what creates the results you want in your life. All right. So hopefully that was a lot of good food for thought for you today. I hope you have an amazing day. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Are you ready to take your post-NARC life from dream to reality? I work with people just like you who've had to survive a lot of narcissist abuse and want to build things they never thought possible. If you want my help, I offer one-on-one coaching where we deep dive into your specific situation and clear out all the narcissist conditioning in your way so that you can start living the life you want. Feeling peace and setting boundaries? That is just the beginning. Go to laurabytheway.com to apply for your one-on-one coaching spot. See you there.